Hi, this is Lauren Butfinick, and I'm here with Dr. Sue, and we're doing a podcast with our website, the uh, Help with Parkinson's.com. And this is our third third time doing this, and this time we have a um, a request from from one of the uh, webs from the website about drooling, and that's a very bothersome non-motor non-motor aspect of Parkinson's disease, also called a comorbidity. It's part of the disease. It's not really a side effect. It's part of the disease. And Dr. Soup, could you discuss the actual physiologic way of uh, discussing drooling? Yes. Thanks again, Warren, for making me part of this uh, podcast and uh, asking me to address one of the key motor, non-motor signs of Parkinson's disease, which is drooling. So first, let's examine uh, why drooling occurs and what's the mechanism by which we produce saliva. In our mouth, there are uh, four major salivary glands, two on each side. One is called the parotid gland, which is located right behind your jaw, um, beneath your ear. Um, Then there's a second one uh, set, which is below your mandible, which is your jawbone and it's underneath your tongue, which are called the submandibular gland. So these are the major glands. In addition, there are smaller glands which are located inside the mouth itself, uh, and they don't produce as much saliva as these big ones. Well, in normal human beings, uh, when you produce saliva, there is an automatic reflex called the swallowing reflex. So every time there is saliva accumulating in your mouth, unbeknownst to you, the swallowing reflex comes into play and allows the saliva to go down into your esophagus and into your stomach. Um, In addition, we also volitionally swallow. So whenever we have excess saliva in our mouth, we uh, make a uh, swallowing motion, which allows the tongue to push the saliva to the back of the throat. And then a set of muscles that are located in the back of your throat go into action, causing um, the saliva to move down to your stomach. Now, that's the normal uh, way to handle saliva. Very rarely do normal people have excess saliva to the point that it actually drools out. In fact, uh, most people would recognize that if you have a little bit of saliva, even at the corner of your mouth, um, you recognize that it is there, and either you wipe it out or you make an attempt to swallow the excess saliva right away. Now, that's how saliva and salivation is normally handled in normal humans. However, in Parkinson's disease, uh, there is early mild difficulty with the swallowing reflex. So the reflex action that allows you to swallow excess saliva and deal with it that way is not very functional or it's very slow. It's tardy. So it doesn't work right away. And therefore, patients with Parkinson's disease have to make an effort to swallow. Uh, The more effort you make, the more likely that you are able to swallow and keep the saliva from drooling. Now, this all works during the daytime. In the night, when you sleep, uh, normal human beings, they swallow their saliva unbeknownst to them in their sleep. Again, it's an automatic reflex. It's something that the brain does. The brain recognizes that there is saliva in the mouth. And when there's pooling of saliva, it 
triggers the swallowing reflex, allows you to swallow saliva even when you are sleeping. Um, now, if you don't uh, swallow the saliva when you're sleeping, then it starts dribbling out. And because you are asleep, you don't recognize that the drool is coming out. And this is why the most common way that patients with Parkinson's disease discover that they are having excess saliva is that when they wake up in the morning, they find a pool of saliva on their pillow or in their bed. So again, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, uh, saliva is normally made by four major glands, two on each side, the parotid gland and the submandibular gland. Saliva is normally handled by an automatic reflex, which is called the swallowing reflex, or otherwise salivary swallowing reflex. Uh, this reflex comes into play whenever there is a little bit of saliva in the mouth, and uh, we automatically swallow them. Uh, during the daytime, if your swallowing reflex is not very active, you volitionally swallow. So in other words, you make a step to remove the saliva, and therefore you don't drool. However, in the night when you're sleeping, uh, the body is able to handle excess saliva automatically. And this reflex is not very well functioning in Parkinson's disease, and therefore the drool occurs and usually find a pool of saliva on the site. So this is the mechanism. This is why it happens. This is part of the disease. Uh, it's uh, similar to why you're slow in your walking, why you're slow in your movements. Similarly, the swallowing reflex is slow. So typically, uh, this would be handled when you take your Parkinson medicine. If you're taking your Parkinson medicine on time, um, and again, this emphasizes the point about taking medicines on time, typically the swallowing problem is also solved. However, sometimes it's not. Sometimes the swallowing reflex is not good enough. And despite you taking your anti-Parkinson medicine, like for example, the carbidopa, levodopa, otherwise called cinnamon, or any of the other dopaminergic medicines, when you take them, it still doesn't speed up your swallowing reflex. And if it doesn't speed up your swallowing reflex, then you drool. Now, in those extreme situations, when your drooling is beyond control, you're carrying a handkerchief and the handkerchief is getting soaked and uh, you have to do other measures to keep from wetting your bed and so on and so forth. Then we have other techniques. One technique is to inject a medicine called Botox, botulinum toxin. This toxin can be injected into each of those salivary glands. And when you use the Botox, what it does is that it blocks the release of saliva. So you, if you think about it, it's sort of a quirky treatment because the problem is not the salivary gland. The salivary gland is just producing normal amount of saliva. But the problem is that the swallowing reflex is not working. But we don't have a good treatment to make the swallowing reflex work better. So instead, we inject the medicine into the salivary gland to make it produce less saliva. So the advantage of the treatment is that you can reduce the drooling or eliminate the drooling for up to three to six months by injecting Botox into the salivary glands. Um, this 
can be very effective. I have a few patients that I do this and they are very much uh, uh, benefiting from such a treatment. However, the downside is that it does reduce the amount of saliva that you have in your mouth. So it could make your mouth dry. So you'll have to hydrate it with uh, some water or chew some gum. Uh, these type of things can be done to prevent the side effect of Botox. So this is one treatment and it's probably the most effective treatment. Now, if you have small amounts of drooling, it's just the wet bed or wet pillow in the morning uh, with a little bit of saliva, a little pooling, then uh, there is another medicine called gycopyrrolate. It is a uh, medicine that's been around for a long time. You can use that. It is a um, cheap, inexpensive drug. You can take it twice or three times a day. And um, there are several forms of it. There's ones that you can swallow. There are some that you can swish in your mouth and then swallow. So the different forms of glycopyrrolate is available. That can be tried. In my experience, it's not very effective, but uh, for some people uh, who want to use that, they can use that. And then um, the more common thing that most people do is to stimulate the swallowing reflex. So you can use chewing gum, mint gum. Uh, you chew gum, then it stimulates the swallowing because it secretes more saliva and allows you to swallow more. Um, some people like ginger candy. Um, you can go to a nature food store and buy ginger candy. Uh, ginger candy also stimulates the swallowing reflex. Uh, so you can try that. Um, there are other over-the-counter remedies as well that increase the amount of swallowing, stimulate swallowing, um, and that can also be tried. You could also do exercises to just simply increase the swelling. So drinking sips of water in between or having a little uh, bottle of water and taking little swigs from it every so often would also force your swallowing reflex to function and that will take the water and the saliva down into your gut and into your stomach. So just to summarize what I've said so far, um, saliva is normally produced by salivary glands. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the salivary glands in Parkinson's disease. However, how you handle the saliva is the problem. Uh, swallowing reflex, which is normally automatic, is not functioning well. And it is slow and particularly problematic in the night because when you're sleeping, you're unaware that your swallowing reflex is not working well. Therefore, saliva comes out in the form of a drool. And the way to handle this is best using Botox injections into the salivary gland. Um, and it's very effective. It can stop the salivation from uh, being a problem for three to six months in some individuals. Um, and then uh, there are some lesser treatments like the use of glycopyrrolate uh, as a oral medication or um, using other uh, non prescription techniques like chewing gum, ginger candy, um, those type of things can also be done. Now there are other treatments, but I'm going to pause here to ask Warren if he has any comments or thoughts about what I've said so far. Yeah, I think it's a misunderstanding with a lot of people, probably even some family physicians, that uh, it's a problem with too much saliva. And I've talked to people in the group and 
they didn't really understand that it's it's not the making too much saliva. It's actually not being able to get rid of it out of your mouth successfully. Right. And that's so when people get these things, they take medicine to dry out your mouth. It's actually it's not really an ideal way to do it. But that's all we have right now. There's there's really nothing on the market that actually was proven to work successfully in all patients or most patients, even Botox. There's a lot of side effects with that, but that's, if it becomes that, that much of a problem and you feel like you don't even want to leave your house, mm-hmm. then you really have no choice because anything's better than being a hermit. Right. And that's, that's what one person on the website on the forum actually wrote that. They said, my husband was drooling his physician didn't understand that it was a symptom of Parkinson's disease. And he started with the Botox injections and created too many side effects. So what he does is when he leaves the house, he uses atropine drops under his tongue, but only for a couple of days at a time. And uh, what do you, what do you feel about using atropine drops, even though it has side effects to, uh, to clear up your uh, drool for short periods of time? Well, that's a great uh, segue to what I was going to say. Um, so let's talk a little bit about both things that you raised. The first one is about side effects of Botox. And then the second thing is about other medications that we can use to dry out the mouth. So the first one uh, is the side effects of Botox. So correctly done and correctly administered, and that's the key word, how it's done, where it's done, um, it can be very, very effective with very little or no side effects. And there are two ways of doing it. One way is to administer the Botox from the outside of the face. So basically, you're taking a needle and the needle is inserted into the parotid gland, either under the guidance of a machine called EMG, electromyogram. And the aim here is to make sure that the needle is put into the gland and nothing but the gland and it doesn't go into the jaw muscles or the muscles of the neck. Um, so that's one way to do the, the, the technique. Another way is to use what we call ultrasound guided. So we use a machine called an ultrasound, and the ultrasound allows you to actually see the gland, and under the guidance of the ultrasound machine, you can actually insert the needle into the gland itself. Both these techniques, either EMG or ultrasound guidance, pretty much assures that the injection is directly into the gland. There is a third technique. This one is through the inside of the mouth, and this is typically done in conjunction with the dentist. So the orifice through which the salivary gland secretes the fluid into the mouth, the saliva into the mouth, it's called the salivary duct. The salivary duct is located inside the mouth. It's right adjacent to your upper molar teeth. Uh, what we can do is we can go through the duct and inject the gland, uh, and it's done with a curved needle under anesthesia. You numb up the mouth just like you have a dental procedure, and you can put the needle through that duct into the gland and then inject it that way as well. So all three techniques, the three that I just mentioned, uh, one is the EMG guided, the second one is the ultrasound guided, and the third one is the dentist guided intraoral injections. All three are highly effective. They have very little or no side effects whatsoever. 
if it's injected correctly into the gland. Now the problem is that um, many people don't have avenue to the EMG machine, they don't have access to the ultrasound machine, and they don't have a collaborating dentist. So they end up doing the injections without any of these tools. So if you do it without these tools, then the risk of side effects are higher because if you accidentally inject, inject the muscles that surround the parotid gland or the submandibular salivary gland, then you could have side effects such as swallowing difficulty, um, more drooling because your mouth is now weaker and it's open. All of those things can happen. So generally speaking, Botox injections correctly done is highly effective. Now the second part of that same answer is what kind of botulinum toxin are you injecting? And there are multiple kinds. There's one called botulinum toxin type A, and there's another one called botulinum toxin type B. The type B, which is otherwise called myoblock, M-Y-O-B-L-O-C, is perhaps a better drug for um, stopping the drooling because it turns out botulinum toxin B has more of an effect on the salivary gland and tends to dry out the mouth a little bit more. And therefore, oftentimes we might use botulinum toxin B, especially for somebody who we have already tried A and is not very effective. So this is a second part of the question uh, of the answer where the type of botulinum toxin also makes a difference. Now let's come to the last part of what Warren was mentioning. How about using atropine or atropine um, in the form of drops or other drugs that act like atropine? And there are several. There's one called cogentin, another one called artane. These are all anticholinergic drugs. They all do the same thing as the atropine drops. Now, the problem with these drugs is that they tend to have long-term side effects if they are used frequently. What do I mean by that? The artane and cogentin are old-fashioned drugs that we used to use for Parkinson's, and we have found out that people who use this for 10-plus years develop dementia. They have problems with their memory. And Consistently, this has been seen in many, many, many studies, not just for Parkinson's, but also for people with mild early Alzheimer's disease who took these medicines. They developed uh, the pathology of Alzheimer's in their brain sooner. So we have stopped using artane and cogentin, and most of the anticholinergic drugs, we have tried to avoid them. And atropine is an anticholinergic drug. Uh, but in this individual who asked this question, um, I understand uh, they want a short-term fix and they're using it once or twice a week when they go out. Um, and that seems reasonable. Uh, but we have to be cautious about using atropine drops on a regular basis. But occasional uses should be fine, if, especially if they have tried everything else. Now, one other thing, which Warren didn't bring up, but I thought it's important that we talk about, is that are there other treatments besides Botox and dicopyrrolate and these other techniques, including the uh, atropine, cogentin, um, benzodiazepine type of drugs? And the answer is there are. Um, you can certainly have surgical removal of the parotid gland or the submandibular gland done. You can have surgery and the gland can be removed. 
The entire gland does not need to be removed. Only a partial resection can be done. And this can be quite successful. If you reduce the size of the gland, then the amount of saliva it produces becomes lesser. Now, of course, it's invasive. You have to actually have an operation and part of the gland get cut out. But it's relatively easy operation. It can be done quickly by an ENT surgeon or even an oral surgeon. They can do it. And removing the most biggest glands, for example, the parotid gland, doing a sub total resection of the parotid glands can be successful in reducing the amount of saliva. It's an extreme step, but for the right patient, it can be very, very helpful to reduce salivation and make their life more comfortable so that they don't become a recluse or a hermit um, because they are so embarrassed to go out with the drooling. So that can also be done. There are some other techniques, um, like for example, um, sublethal radiation can also be done. So you can do in select individuals radiation to the uh, submandibular glands, low-level radiation, which will make the gland atrophy and make it smaller. And that can also be offered if somebody doesn't want to do surgery. Um, there are other techniques, more experimental type of research is going on, and that can be used also for drooling. So there are a number of different options. Uh, it's not that um, there aren't any options for drooling, but by and large, the message of this podcast should be, if you take your medicine on time, and if you take your carbidopa, levodopa every four hours like your doctor has instructed you to do, um, and be exacting on it, then by and large, drooling will be well controlled by just taking your medicine on time because it will improve your swallowing and that will help you overcome any issues with drooling whatsoever. These other treatments that we talked about are only when you're taking your medicine correctly and still not able to handle the drooling. In those cases, we can go to all these techniques. So it's worth emphasizing that taking medicine on time and precisely on time is probably the foundational step to get drooling under control. Warren, you have thoughts? Yeah, how about uh, if you're on a drug, the cholinesterase drugs for, let's say, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. would you think it'd be worth trying to get a withdrawal off of those drugs because of the drooling that they cause? So that's a great question also. So there are uh, drugs that we give for memory, for example, and there are several of them. A common one is uh, called Exelon, E-X-E-L-O-N. It's a patch. Uh, Its chemical name is Rivastigmine, R-I-V-A-S-T-I-G-I-M-I-N-E. There's another one called Aricept, um, Donacepil. So that medicine is also given frequently for people who have memory difficulties. Now, these medicines increase the amount of um, acetylcholine that's secreted in different parts of your brain. And in theory, that can also increase the amount of saliva in the salivary gland. However, uh, in practice, in reality, uh, the type of receptors that these drugs work on are primarily in the brain. So when we use um, Aricept or we use Exelon, Generally, we don't see a whole lot of excess drooling. In theory, on record, the FDA brochures say that it can produce more drooling and it can increase tremor. But in reality, most people who are taking these drugs don't have excess drooling 
and don't have excess tremor. So I don't think it's worth it, but in an individual case-by-case basis, if you want to try to reduce the amount of medicine of this category and see whether it does anything, you certainly could. But my own bias would be to say it's unlikely that they will actually do anything um, to, to help in this situation. Okay. And what, what about the uh, non-medical treatments of, uh, of having trouble drooling? Right. We mentioned a few. So um, practicing swallowing, increasing your swallowing uh, reflex is one thing. One easy way to do this would be to sing every day. If you think about it, singing uh, exercises your tongue, exercises your muscles of the back of your throat, the laryngeal and pharyngeal muscles. And singing in most cases is a pleasurable activity. So uh, learning to sing, if you don't sing, um, or if you already sing, singing loud every day for 30 minutes, um, what we call the melodic intonation therapy, MIT, uh, can be very, very useful to increase your swallowing reflex. So I advise a lot of my patients who have um, mild swallowing difficulties or drooling to start to sing every day for 30 minutes. And the best type of singing uh, is the singing that allows you to use your full vocal range, going from the lowest tone to the highest tone, the kinds of songs that you teach young kids to learn to sing, like the doe, a deer, a female deer, those kind of songs uh, that gives you the highs and lows. Uh, They are perhaps the best type of singing that helps um, exercise the back of your throat, the pharyngeal and laryngeal muscles, so that your um, reflex becomes much more smoother and more automatic. Um, So I would strongly recommend that. Now, for those of you who absolutely refuse to sing, uh, who are like, I'm not doing it, you could go to a speech pathologist and um, learn exercises, which um, they can teach you to improve your swallowing. And there are a number of different types of exercises that they go through. Uh, mostly based on the same idea of melodic intonation therapy uh, or otherwise called LSVT, Lee Silverman uh, technique. Both of these um, underlying principle is to use the uh, muscles of the back of your throat, the tongue muscles, the pharyngeal and laryngeal muscles, exercise them so that they are able to handle the saliva. So that's the um, bottom line for these non pharmacological techniques. We also mentioned a few other things like the ginger candy and the chewing gum. Um, those are worth trying uh, if you want to try those. Okay. And um, just something I, I always wondered about the drooling with Parkinson's patient is Parkinson's patients used to, they pretty much always have their head tilted forward a little bit. Is there any study done that if you hold your head to- perfectly straight, that you have less drooling? Mm, that's a good question also. But this forward bending, otherwise called anterocolis, where the neck is forward bent, is actually a feature of the disease. And we think it's related to the muscles on the back of the neck rather than the muscles in the front of the neck. Um, I'm not aware of any association between head position and drooling. 
in in theory, it shouldn't make a difference because it's the whole problem is related to your swallowing reflex, uh, not so much how you hold your head. It's just the fact that this saliva is not being cleared in the back of your throat. So, but I don't know the answer to it. It might it may be worth studying actually. Okay, and uh, a lot of this reminds me of when I would try to teach people how to take their pills in the pharmacy and people would swallow it. They put their head back thinking that that's going to make them swallow easier, but actually it's the opposite way that you should sort of bring your head a little bit forward, sit at a 90 degree angle, tilt your head forward a little bit. And that way it opens up your, your throat and it's much easier to swallow. Right. Same thing would happen with people when you're eating or when you're drinking and you feel like you're going to choke a little bit. Right. Just relax, sit straight, don't breathe in too much, and just tilt your head a little bit forward with, by your neck. It'll go right down and you have no problem. So it's kind of the same type of thing as people have trouble taking their medication. I agree. I agree. Okay. Do you, you have anything else to bring up, Dr. Sue? No, I think uh, we covered drooling um, exhaustively. Obviously, there will be more questions, and the questions are going to be more um, driven to each individual's situation. But I think we have uh, touched upon some of the major things that we we needed to touch upon, I think. And uh, I'm delighted to be able to do this. Thank you for inviting me to do this. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.